Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Now, I'm really looking forward to this conversation today as we're going to be talking about one of our favorite topics around here, supply chain planning, but not business as usual. Oh, no. We're going to be talking about how companies are leveraging innovative technologies to transform how successful planning gets done, making it easier for their people to be successful. And we're going to have a little fun. We're getting our expert guest here to predict a couple of things that planners and their teams can expect in 2024 and beyond. All right. So stay tuned for a great show. With all of that said, I want to introduce our featured guest here today. Now, our guest today, he pioneers advanced technologies for next generation supply chain planning solutions. He brings more than 16 years of experience in global supply chain to the table where he is passionate about applying AI and other technologies to augment and automate supply chain decisions, amongst other things. So with all that said, I want to welcome in Dr. Jen Sui, Vice President for Product Management and the Head of Research at E2Open. Hey, Jen, how you doing? Good. How are you, Scott? I'm doing wonderful. I've enjoyed our pre-show conversation. I can't wait to uh, talk all things supply chain and then some with you. But, you know, I want to start. So welcome in. I want to start because you live in the burbs of one of my favorite cities, and that's Chicago. Is that right? Yes. All right. So as I understand it, as we've our team has done some homework on you, uh, you call home in the northwestern burbs of Chicago. So I got to ask you, when you're not doing big things in global supply chain, what's one of your favorite things to do in your free time? Sure. During my leisure hours, I like playing some badminton with a couple of friends. And apparently I'm not a good player, but I <laughs> certainly um, enjoy the energetic moment on the court. And, you know, I'm in Chicago, it got a lot of snow and we have a heavy snow yesterday. So I got a lot of chance, a lot of time at home. And uh, when I am at home, I just uh, like sitting into the couch and listen to my daughter play piano. And she does not like play piano very often. She's not very willing to practice piano. <laughs> However, I enjoy this brief period of time. Oh, I love the picture you paint there. Practice makes perfect. So uh, to your daughter that may be listening out there, but I love, yeah, as a fellow father, I've got three kids of my own, two daughters, Jen, and I love seeing them pursue their passions in life, whether they Absolutely. like practicing or not. That's really rewarding for uh, a parent, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And we're going to have to get some some video evidence of your badminton prowess, uh, maybe on the next sure. show, uh, Jen. <laughs> so, um, all right. So I want to get into a lot of stuff here, a lot of stuff, good stuff that we're going to be talking about. I want to start with offering some of that valuable context. We can't get enough context in this modern data-driven, fast-changing life that we're all living. So I want to give some of that context for our audience. Tell us in a nutshell, what does E2Open do? And tell us a little bit about your role there. Sure. E2Open is a supply chain platform to help the the, the largest, the world's largest companies to transform their business through the modern supply chain. 
And our mission uh, is to build the most comprehensive and end-to-end -end global supply chain software ecosystem, combining the networks, data, and applications to deliver the custom values. And speaking of the applications, there are like five application suites in each open platform. There are uh, channel management, business planning, supply management, logistics, and global trade management. And I am leading the product management team for one of the application suites, which is the business planning. And also I lead the research and the data science team each open to solve the complex supply chain problems using math, uh, such as mathematical optimization, uh, as well as the machine learning algorithms. Okay, man, that sure is intimidating. When, when I hear the head <laughs> of research, I mean, I can't imagine all that you do day in and day out, but I want to back up to something when you were talking about E2Open. I, I love, of course, y'all have won a, a bunch of different awards and, and helping a lot of teams across the globe, but I love this one of y'all's main mantras. It's very poetic, supply chain poetry, connected data enabling a connected supply chain to move as one. That paints yep. such a, a clear and serene moment in my mind. How about you? Yeah. Same, yeah. So the connected planning is always uh, what uh, we're thinking of the future supply chain, especially for supply chain planning. And uh, we had a vision about connected planning, and yeah. uh, we're working on that. Love that. Okay, so let's get into then. Uh, now that we've got, we've, we most of our audience, the three people that made had not heard of E two Open. Now that we're on the same page there, and and you've shared a little bit about what your role is day in and day out. Let's talk about that data. That, we're, that I just mentioned, that connected data and the power of, of connected good data, right? That's yep. easy to be shared, that goes in, that's rolled up into making better decisions and faster, more confident decisions. You know, data, as we all know, it's essential when it comes to effective supply chain management, especially planning. So that begs a question, Jen, what's the right data and where does that come from? Yeah, so when it comes to supply chain planning, having the right data is crucial, as you just mentioned, right? So especially for the AI algorithm, AI ML algorithm that have been used in the planning solution, the data needs to be relevant to the supply chain decisions. And usually the most valuable data comes from your extended supply chain. The extended supply chain data contains like demand or supply signals, that influence the growth opportunities or risks. And this including things like uh, um, changing consumers' behavior, uh, materials constraints, uh, logistic capacity, and uh, changing trade regulations, etc. It's not just about internal operations, but also about thousands of ecosystem partners uh, involved in the process, from downstream distributor and reseller partners to upstream suppliers and contract manufacturers and even logistic and broker partners. And sometimes the cost of data are also great data source for identifying those supply chain risks, such as financial data, right? Like those economic index, the weather forecasts or news and the social medias that might impact your demand and supply. And however, the most meaningful data for decision-making tends to be the value chain data. But it is a challenge for a lot of companies to access decision-grade value chain information. So when you look at the traditional planning solutions, 
they only use the data found within the four walls of the enterprise, which can be vulnerable to errors, given the massive swings that we experienced during the pandemic, right, a couple of years ago, and now in the inflation period. And we believe it is important to use the data outside of your four walls, like multi-enterprise data. And the supply chain business network can definitely help here. The access to the supply chain business network with reusable ecosystem partner connections can considerably lower the barrier to get the data for supply chain planning solution to make better decision. It connects all the supply chain partners from channel partners for downstream demand signals to logistic partners for transportation data and eventually to supply partners for supply information. So with the multi-enterprise data, companies can make more informed end-to-end -end decisions for their supply chain. So Jen, I think we just, we, we almost recorded an episode in an episode with what you just shared there. There's so much, we, we could have like a 12 part series on what you shared. I want to go back to uh, something you mentioned in behaviors, constraints, capacities, the regulatory environment that is changing more and more and faster and faster than perhaps ever before, at least in my time. Jen, would you agree with that? Yes. And then the other thing that you mentioned, and, and, and it, of course, our need to get the right data, the relevant data, as you put it, into all of our decision makers and our team's hands to come to the ability to make these the right decisions that folks are confident with, that we can make quickly. Man, the data and our, and our ability to use technology, which we're going to touch on in a minute, to get the right data to do all that, it's paramount. And I, and I also like one of the things you mentioned about only getting data from inside the four walls versus, you know, across the ecosystem and the network, as you put it, because it, when we limit our, where we're getting our data from, we can also limit our view and our purview of what's going on and only get part of the story. So, so expound a little bit more on that, how, how important it is to get a holistic view of what's going on and, and also where we're getting getting holistic data so we can do just that. Tell us more about that, Jen. Sure. So there are a lot of data outside of your four walls. If you just look at the enterprise itself, enterprise data itself, you probably are limited to your manufacturing data, for example, if you are a manufacturer. But the, the demand uh, for the manufacturer is actually coming from downstream. Right. So the downstream data, like the point of sale data or the inventory data at the retailer site, those data can actually help you to uh, forecast better, to make uh, better decisions uh, regarding your demand. And then based on demand, you also want to uh, leverage those uh, upstream data, like uh, supply information, supply data, as well as uh, your logistic data, like so whether you have enough capacities, whether you have a truck fleet, and all of this information to help you to make a decision from supply side. Right. So you, you cannot just look at the manufacturing data itself. You should look at the, the multi-enterprise data from downstream to upstream, including global trade, including transportation. So that's uh, a lot of data that we can use. I love it, Jen. And I bet 
with your emphasis on mathematics as part of what you do with uh, as head of research, I bet you love as much data as you can get your hands on. Is that right? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> data is a new currency, right? So yes. we need the data to make a decision, and we can use the data for um, the, the the things like machine learning, right? So like data mining, right? So it's all related uh, with the data. Yes, and we're going to talk more on on, on that those technologies, machine learning, AI, and you name it more, because of course we have more, we have more capacity to use big data like perhaps never before. So, so when, when it comes to using data, tell us a little more about how, how would you suggest how we use all of this data and, and, and this data from inside and outside the four walls and across the enterprise, give us some, uh, some tips on how to best use that. Yeah, sure. For the supply chain planning, right? So the, the first use case of the data is basically to feed the data into the planning algorithm, right? Especially those machine learning algorithm, which needs a lot of data, right? So the example that I just mentioned, the demand forecasting algorithm, right? So it will look at the historical sales data to see how much has been sold in the past. And one is the high demand season, and one is the low demand season, and whether there is any trend, and also, it look at the current real-time data to see what, what is happening now in the market, right? So picking the data like uh, social media and the news, uh, the weather weather information, right? So those are Kind all... of farm for signals there. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then when you feed all of this data to the algorithm, the algorithm will figure out what people want to buy in the future so that you can plan it accordingly, right? And from supply side, uh, we can also use the data to... For example, pick the, the best suppliers, right? And uh, by evaluating all the suppliers and uh, manage any potential risks uh, and sharing information through collaborations with suppliers to keep everyone on the same page to streamline the process. And also, once you have a lot of data, you can build those KPIs. You can have dashboard. You can monitor those KPIs based on your supply chain data, such as like service level, your forecast accuracy, your lead time, etc. Right, which also provide a feedback loop for the continuous performance uh, improvement for your supply chain. Right, so you can uh, rely on those KPIs to to monitor your supply chain and uh, continue to improve your supply chain performance. Yeah. All right, Jen, you're taking us to school today, man. You're dropping a lot of good stuff. I want to call out two two things you just shared there. I love kind of your um, what I'll call your your time traveling perspective on the front part of your response. You're looking at historical data, current state data, what's going on today, and getting proactive with how we view so we can get even ahead of where the market and our customers are going. I love that. We need, where's Michael J. Fox and the uh, DeLorean when we need it, right? And then the point you just wrapped up on, as we all know, when we make decisions or we plan or, or we set how our supply chains work, it's not like Ron Papil used to say, you said it and forget it. We can't do that, unfortunately, right? Plan, do, check, act. It's that cycle that you're talking about. You know, make the changes, make the decisions, make the plan, but being able to come back, seeing how it's performing, and then make those constant changes, either big or small. That's absolutely a big part of supply chain management, timelessly, but especially in 2024. Would you agree, Jen? Yes, I agree. Okay. All right. So now we're going to shift gears. We talked about, we mentioned on the front end AI, and I think it is against world universal regulation to have a supply chain conversation without mentioning AI here today. But, you know, 
as much as I have fun with that, it, it's making it, you know, 2023 AI has been around forever. But 2023 <laughs> probably is, is, is what I would call maybe the golden year of AI, right? It, it's, we yep. hit, we hit a yep. certain gear. So I want to pick your brain, uh, more about what maybe we'll call the truth about AI and gen AI and how it's going to transform, uh, not just supply chain, but especially supply chain planning. So I think first though, Jen, we need to look back as we try to view AI accurately and really get to the truth of it. We need to look back and get some history as well as better understand maybe three types of AI machine learning algorithms that are prevalent today. Is that right? Yes. So let's do that. Let's start with the history. Tell us more. Sure. So AI is not a new concept, right? So it actually there for a long time, um, especially about 10, 15 years ago, you know, there was a trend of AI washing. So a lot of lots of companies across the industry, right? So they reposition uh, literally everything from automation to analytics as artificial intelligence. And suddenly AI became a buzzword, uh, leaving practitioners dazed and confused. Right. So uh, what, what, they, those kind of AI, we call it like a traditional um, AI. Right. So and there are like, like three types of uh, AI ML algorithm uh, widely used in the business. Right. So they're supervised learning, unsupervised learning and reinforcement learning. So the supervised learning is to find the patterns across different data sets. So these systems are trained to recognize uh, what the good look like. Right. And learn over time to accurately predict the outcomes, right? So for example, I just mentioned eToken, we're using uh, supervised learning for years in the uh, in demand sensing solution to generate the demand forecast every day for every item location across different time horizon by using multiple demand influence signals, right? So those signals are not just, not only the, the input from your forwards, like manufacturing, your shipment, your open order, your other information, but also the downstream data, like say, you know, POS data, uh, consumer sales, the inventory, store inventory, the, the retailer forecast, as well as other causal factors that I just mentioned, right? Yep. So this is the supervised learning, which is mainly used for the prediction. So unsupervised learning is to discover hidden clusters, uh, many of which sometimes even not very obvious to people. So a good example is how we do the product clustering for the NPI, which is new product introduction, right? So you got a new product, right? So you want to set up, for example, image target for the new product, which could be a challenge because to set up image target, you need a history of this item. And uh, so we use this unsupervised learning algorithm to group the, the new product with existing product that have very similar characteristics and uh, create a demand profile based on this existing similar product, which can be used to generate a history, generate a forecast and forecast error, and eventually can optimize your image target. Okay. So, so basically, you, uncast, uh, unsupervised learning is mainly to use the for the clustering, the grouping purpose. Okay. And the third one is uh, reinforcement learning, right? So it is a little bit different from supervised learning and unsupervised learning because usually you don't have the historical data for training for reinforcement learning. So in this case, it is using the simulation. So reinforcement learning is used for the decision making. So it explores different options through trial and error simulation, learning which actions to take based on the best outcome from the simulations, right? So that there is an example uh, in practice is how eToken 
optimize the imagery level for product uh, with a limited shelf life, right? So this uh, uh, perish foods, right? To so help minimize the spoilage, right? Through the reinforcement learning with simulation of random demand and supply, right? So running those simulation millions of times and uh, learn uh, those simulation data and eventually can make a good decision uh, for the complex situation. Mm. So you can see that these are the three traditional AI algorithms that have been widely used in the supply chain planning applications. And these technologies are really the silent workhorse uh, for recognizing patterns, predicting uh, outcomes, and optimize your supply chain decisions. Okay. All right. So supervised learning, unsupervised learning, and reinforcement learning. I got those right, right? That's correct. Okay. Wonderful. And they, companies are using those in conjunction with each other, not just picking one. As I heard you walk through each one, it depends on the situation and what we're trying to do, right? That's correct. So usually one after application, you're going to use the combination of one or two or three uh, algorithm, right? The machine, different machine learning algorithm, just like uh, the demand sensing that I uh, mentioned, right? So it uses both the supervised learning and uh, unsupervised learning because you need unsupervised learning to do the clustering, to cluster the similar product together, right? Okay. And then use the supervised learning to predict using multiple demand signals, right? So okay. if you don't do this clustering, you're going to have a lot of input signals, but limited history. So from the machine learning world, there's a word called uh, overfitting, right? So it's going to cause the overfitting so that uh, the result, the pattern that you generated works best for the training data, but not good for the future prediction. So this is something that we try to avoid. And to avoid this, one of the approach here is we use unsupervised learning to cluster similar product together, right? And then we can share the history for all the similar product and then generate robust forecast. So, so indeed, so we are really using multiple algorithms together for each of the applications in the planning. Good stuff, Jen. And you know, you're you're also reinforcing a timeless truth, universal truth, using the right tool at the right time with the right objective, right? Absolutely. Instead of using the latest and greatest. I love that, Jen. Um, okay. So question for you. What changed in 2022, Jen? Yeah. So big thing happened, right? So in late 2022, I think it's around the November or December time period, OpenAI launched ChatGPT. It suddenly become a game changer. So it is quite a big milestone for AI and ML, right? So this uh, nature language chat interface make it so easy for anyone to engage with AI on any topic, from coding to cooking, like relationship advice, writing college papers, and more, right? So my kids are using ChatGPT <laughs> <laughs> for the questions that she cannot solve, right? So it's, right. it's a really great, great tool, great use case of AI, great application. It can answer any imaginable online questions, which gives the impression of its reasoning capability. Um, but unfortunately, it is not, right? Because ChatGPT and other generative AI tools in the market are not intelligent in the true sense of the word, right? So they're still like um, far away from the AGI. So AGI is the artificial general intelligence that can reason independently. Right. Instead, it is more like an expert in correlation, right? processing huge amount of data, historical data, training data with data labeling, right? And providing answers with a high probability of being correct. 
So, so this human-like chatbot features of generative AI are highly visible and capture people's imagination. But we think the real value of generative AI actually lies in its ability to unlock the massive amount of unstructured data through the large language models. Because there are a lot of data in the supply chain in the world. We, we were mainly using those structured data, those time series, those structured right. data, those master data. But there are a lot of unstructured data out there. So we, because of this limitation of the technology, we're not able to use those unstructured data in the past. But now, with this generative AI, with this large language model, we can use this large language model to unlock the massive of unstructured data. And then this data can then be used to power the traditional AI technology that I just mentioned, such as supervised learning, unsupervised learning, and reinforcement learning. And this technology works silently in the background to make and execute your supply chain management decisions. Mm. So you're really, I like how you're describing the art of the possible, reaching that, that those massive, massive treasure troves of unstructured data, right? And the more we can leverage technology and our techniques and everything really to do just that, we really unlock levels of performance that are going to, you know, we're going to have to wear shades because the future is so bright as we're making yeah. more progress, unlocking and reaching all the data that's out there. Right, Jen? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I was trying to, I was searching there, Jen, I'll be honest with you. I was searching, we've already dropped Back to the Future. You dropped Days of Confused. I was trying to drop a movie title in my response to, to your uh, response there, but it was just a bridge too far. All right. I want to get into talking more about the future here. You, you, you've already described a little bit about E2Open's vision for the future of planning solutions, but let's elaborate a little bit more. There's five central tenets that we want to get you to share, but give us... Give us a high-level overview of these central tenets first, and then we'll take them one by one. Sure. Yeah, so as I just mentioned that, uh, um, you know, we have a vision for connected planning, right? So the, this is really for the future of the modern planning, right? Currently, uh, supply chains are still too rigid and fragile in the face of disruptions. And it's clear that the frequencies, uh, intensity, and impact of disruptions are here to stay. They're not going anywhere. Right? So it's going to be a challenge for the traditional supply chain planning to deal with this uncertainty since they're still disconnected from their execution system as well as external risk information. Right? So connected planning, on the other hand, is a closed loop with bi-directional communication. It leverages all the resources across all functions involved in making, moving, setting and across all parties with, within the enterprise and the multiple tiers that make up the extended supply chain, including the upstream, downstream logistics and trade ecosystem. The ecosystem, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. And uh, we believe this is the future of the supply chain planning. Yeah, well said. Yeah, and more and more, as, as plenty of analysts are out there that are tracking the conversations we're having in the boardrooms, down to our organizations, amongst our teams, man, everybody's talking more about the ecosystem view of, of, our, of our network. So I love that, Jen. All right, so these five central tenets. Let's walk through there. I'm going I'm to get you to share all of them. I'm going to keep track here at home. So let, let, let's go through all five, and then... Uh, I'll see if I'll, you, you, are you going to give me a quiz later? Make sure I'm, <laughs> I'm <good>. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's go through these five central tenets. Start with the first one. 
Sure. So the first one uh, is related to data, right? So we call it the connected data. So basically, the data is the foundation to your digital twins. We're going to talk about a lot about data, right? So where to get the data, what is the right data, and how to use data. So for the connected planning, we'll connect the data from different sources together through an integrated data model, right? Which will drive the automation and the optimization because you, you have so much data, right? So right. how to organize them, uh, how to pull the data together, how to put, the, put them together in one place so that uh, the algorithm can run. Right, so this is a uh, this is a technology, right? So that, that's why we're leveraging the integrated data model, right? So within E2Open, uh, as well as our E2Open network to manage this data. Hey, really quick on that, it's kind of tough to optimize automation and realize that the true art of the possible there, powered by spreadsheets. Would you agree, Jen? Kind of <laughs> <Yes>. tough. <laughs> All yeah. right. What's the second uh, tenant then? So second one is about the connected process. Right, so this is like a repeatable process uh, running on workflows. Right, so within the organization, within the supply chain planning process, it's a like long process. It involves a lot of uh, steps. Right, so uh, you need a workflow engine. Right, so our advanced workflow engine empowers clients to design connected end-to-end -end process across functions, enterprise, and ecosystem, so that it can run automatically and process all the steps and give notification for users so that users are aware of the process progress and, uh, and also react uh, according to the, the workflow notifications. Okay. So we got connected data as the first tenant. Connected process is the second tenant. What's the third? So the third one is related to the scenario, right? So we call it the connected scenario. So the universal scenarios across planning app functions uh, allow for a broad range of human and AI-driven insights to resolve the complex supply chain uh, challenges, right? So we were talking about disruptions previously, right? So with all of these disruptions, the, the best way, at least one of the, the recommended way, uh, is to run scenarios, right? And uh, you really want to run those end-to-end -end scenarios. You don't want to leave, you run just the scenario for a piece of the application. You want to consider everything together, right, for your scenario for the planning, and then see whether uh, your plan is robust enough to handle these kind of disruptions and then to make better decisions by taking into consider those scenario results. So Jen, you know, scenario planning uh, is, is also not new, much like AI. However, I would argue you might agree or disagree. The last three years through the pandemic and then some have, have certainly reinforced the immense value of scenario planning. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and also, yeah, I completely agree with you, right? Scenario planning is nothing new. But the thing here is, if you just run like a one scenario, two scenario, you're probably not able to cover all the possibilities. And now with this disruptive world, many things can happen <laughs> with the different probabilities, right? How, how can you, you know, if you run just a scenario for one possibility, if other things happened, if another possibility happened, you probably just run, uh, execute a wrong plan. So you really want to consider multiple scenarios, right? So, so Gartner even say that you probably want to run thousands of scenarios, right? right? So, so you, you need to have this capability to, to execute those things for your decisions. Excellent point there. Excellent point. You don't want to, and, and just to, 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 to spike the football on your point, you know, it, if you're not doing any scenario planning, I bet you're in like the 0.5% of the world, maybe, I don't know. 
hope I hope it's not even that high. Running a dozen or two scenarios, hey, there's some value there. But to your point, Jen, when you can lean on technology that allows you to run thousands, if not millions of scenarios, man, uh, what you can uncover in your blind spot is really, really powerful and meaningful. Okay, so connected data, connected process, connected scenario. What's the fourth tenet? The, the, the fourth one is related to AI we just talked about, right? So we call it uh, connected intelligence. So we're extending our industry-leading use of AI. So I, I already mentioned a couple of UI cases, uh, AI cases, um, and we're expanding them, right? We're expanding the capabilities, uh, optimize the scales, and provide more self-configuration options. Because one of the things here for AI is the AI transparency, right? So, um, you know, people run... You know, for example, neural network, right? So they run neural network. Neural network is more like a black box to everyone, right? Nobody knows what happened inside this, right? So it's very hard to explain the results, right? So, so we try to find a way to, to explain the AI, right? Make it AI transparency to the user so that user knows that what happened in your black box, in your AI algorithm, so that they're comfortably using or confident to use your AI results. Love that connected intelligence. You know, you're kind of you're kind of painting a picture. I know we still got one to go, but you're painting the picture of a, a supply chain symphony here a little bit, Jen. I love that. And uh, who knows, maybe we get your daughter to play as part uh, <laughs> one part of the symphony here. All right. So, what's the fifth tenet? So the, the final one, the fifth one, is uh, about the user experience, right? So we call it the connected experience. So we, we our newly enhanced the user experience, uh, unified the. Uh, user experience across uh, entire application suites by right? driving user adoptions, productivity, and alignment. And even better with uh, those uh, generative AI, right? like ChatGPT, those uh, uh, user interface, chat user interface. We, we can we are leverage those things and make those uh, new user interface to uh, work with, uh, so that easy, it's easier for user to put their input into the solution and to get their result through the nature language chat interface. Mm. Jen, uh, I love I love these five tenets. I wish we could uh, we could add a couple more hours and, and dive in a little deeper. But on that <laughs> last one, I think it's so important. You know, in the pre-show, I was I was uh, offering a a long boring story about customer experience, and that's where a lot of the world is focused on the customer experience, and that's a good thing. But the point you just made there. By focusing on our team, the users, empowering them to be more successful, making their their day a little bit easier, uh, enabling their success to come easier and more consistent, you know, they're going to have a lot better days. And when your yep. team is having a lot better days, the organizations having a lot better days, there are going to be some a lot more better days that lie ahead as well. So I love your Absolutely. emphasis there on that connected experience, that fifth tenant. Okay, man, Jen. Uh, you have backed up the truck, uh, truckload of, of brilliance you've dropped on us and our audience here at Supply Chain Now, but we're not done yet. So you've brought your crystal ball to the conversation here. That's that's a that's a brave thing to do, Jen. So <laughs> as I understand it, you've got three predictions that you're going to share that planners can expect in 2024. So I'm going to get you to share all three, and then I, I, I'm going to pick my favorite one. How's that? Sure. Sounds good. Yeah, right. so I, I had like uh, three predictions, right, for 2024 for supply chain industry, right? The, the first one, so with the current complex situation in the Middle East uh, and the continuous Russian-Ukraine war, as well as the high interest rates and uh, economic uncertainty, 
I expect more disruptions in supply chain this year. Mm. Right? So the macroeconomic economy changes can significantly uh, impact the consumer's demand, leading to the disruptions. Right, so disruption is nothing new, right? So it exists all the time, right? So uh, some of the disruptions, like uh, like major snowstorm in Chicago, right? So we just had it yesterday, right? So it has very limited impact because we're expecting it coming every year, right? But more and more disruptions, like the pandemic, right? So have a massive impact. Cyber, to, exactly to yeah. our lives, right? So like uh, uh, it, it changed the way we live, the way we shop, the way we work, right? So such disruptions cause shocks in the supply chain leading to an inaccurate demand forecast, there is supply shortage, and there is delayed shipment. Right? So the bull whip effect amplify the shocks, increasing the volatilities throughout the supply chain from channel to supply, causing the plan to be further off and creating service issue in the business. Mm. So, so to mitigate those uh, risks, planners should focus on creating more flexible and adaptable supply chain strategies. Okay. Right? So planner can just rely on the uh, advance the supply chain planning solutions to simulate. We just talk about the scenario, right? So that's to simulate and optimize the complex scenarios and make informed decisions. Yeah. The game's not getting any easier. It's one of the points you're making there. There's, there's, there's always been disruption. There's going to be a whole heck of a lot more disruption plan, uh, expected and unexpected. So we, we gotta, we gotta play a smarter game and more powerful game. So, what is your second prediction there, Jen? So the second prediction is related to AI, right? So we're, we're, I'm expecting a greater integration of AI, artificial intelligence, and the machine learning into supply chain, especially for the supply chain planning process, right? So, so AI ML technologies can automate those routine and time-consuming tasks, right? Just to free up people, right? Allow supply chain planners to focus on the more strategic activities, Right. So this technology can automate the things like forecasting, demand forecasting that I just mentioned, like inventory optimization, supply planning, and routine decision-making process. And the AI ML algorithm will continue to evolve. Right. So it, it not can, it's not going to stop. Right. So it's going to provide more accurate and sophisticated predictable analytics. This will enable organizations to anticipate, um, you know, like demand fluctuations, identify potential risks and optimize the supply chain process with a higher degree of precision. And integrating AI and ML will enable real-time decision-making by providing instant insight into various aspects of supply chain. And this system will continue learn, continuously learn from past disruptions and adjust planning strategies to enhance the resilience in the face of unforeseen events. Mm. I like that, Jen. Real resilience, not just the lip service version. Sure. I mean, you're really painting a picture of real organizational resilience. And going back to the first part of your response here that I love, we love talking about it here quite a bit, is we can if we can automate really powerfully um, and effectively automate the mundane and unleash the power of the human factor. I love how you're talking about that. Okay. Just for the record, I like your prediction two better than your prediction one. <laughs> prediction, <laughs> prediction one's like, hey, there's going to be a lot more pain because it's true. It's true. All right. What's your third prediction here? Bold, fearless prediction here, Jen. Yeah, sure. Uh, the, the third prediction is related to ESG, right? Environmental, social governance uh, mandates will become a crucial for supply chain, right? Because nowadays, um, about 90% of corporate emission come from supply chain. 
right? So that, that's the fact, right? To make a real impact on lowering emissions, company will evaluate and minimize the supply chain's carbon footprint by optimizing like, things like uh, transportation routes, right? So choosing the eco-friendly modes of trans transport, so like, such, like, uh, such as uh, ocean or intermodal, or just try to use an EV or electric truck, or um, implementing energy efficient practices in warehouse and the distribution centers. Yep. And second, the company will better engage with their supply base, right? So starting with identifying their suppliers in the second, third, fourth tiers and more to ensure suppliers stick to the ethical business practices and comply with relevant regulations and standards like fair labor practices, safe working conditions, and respect for human rights throughout the supply chain. Yes. And, and, and I think companies will integrate ESG considerations into overall risk assessments for the supply chain. Uh, they will identify potential risks related to environmental regulations, um, social issues, uh, and the governance practices that could impact your supply chain performance. And they will develop strategies and uh, contingencies plans to mitigate ESG-related risks and enhance their resilience. Mm. Two thoughts there. You know, the factors that ESG is made up of, the demand for all of those things you mentioned is not going away. It's only going to increase. So uh, supply yep. chain leaders, practitioners' ability to act on that demand is going to be really important and only more important, kind of to your point. Of course, those relationships with your suppliers, the transparency, knowing what your second, third, and fourth tier suppliers and, and the challenges they're facing, critically important. Great point there, Jen. And I'm just going to add more. I'm going to add my own prediction number four <laughs> sure. here as we wrap. Yeah. And that prediction is, I bet you're going to get a whole lot better at badminton in the new year, Jen. Okay? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right? Kidding aside, what the picture you've painted here today, I think one of the big themes is the sheer amount of opportunity and the ability to do, truly do supply chain management so much different. I loved how the practical of a picture you painted here today to that theme. So Jen really enjoyed our chat here today, but yeah, me too. I bet folks are going to want to reach out, share a cup of coffee, talk shop with you. How can folks connect with you, Jen and the E2 open team? Sure. You can always find me on the LinkedIn. My information is there. And if you want to know more about E2Open, please check out our website at e2open.com. All right. Where they are doing business different, empowering many organizations to do the same. Dr. Jens, we really enjoyed our time here today. You serve as Vice President for Product Management and the Head of Research at E2Open. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you. All right. Folks, what a great conversation. Man, I think I go back and I've got my 17 pages of notes Lots of actionable insights, I think, that Jen shared with us here today. And that's the name of the game, right? You can hear about all the opportunities and the technological advancements and, and the cool things that E2Open and, uh, is doing out there with a lot of companies. You can hear about it, you can talk about it, or you can act on it. And this, that's where I'm challenging you. Take at least one thing that Dr. Jen Sui shared with us here today and act on it. Put it into practice. Your team and your people will certainly appreciate it. And to that, to that end, I uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I have. I uh, hope you come back for a lot more conversations like these in the new year. But most importantly, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain, now Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. Do business different.
And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.